The Tevil Commute, Season 9, Episode 5, in which Sean and I talk all about working in pairs. Sean. Hi, Lindsay. How you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm not too bad. What's new? It's back again. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. See what I did there? Castles did in you, the sky. I know. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I've been work, working a little bit on the old uh, hammy humor for Teffel Commute. Hey, 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 hey. That's my domain. You're the serious <laughs> one. I'm the hammy humor guy. Hey, let's not get the roles confused. You're A, I'm B, yeah? And then we'll swap round. Let's just... Exactly. Oh, it started. Hey, by, by the way, everybody, if you're listening, welcome to the Tuffle Commute. This is a Here he podcast goes. He's gonna do it. for Here language he teachers. Gonna get it right. But it's not necessarily about language teaching, although the topic will often come up. And today is a very... I was going to language... say, how are you going to talk about today's topic with the topic of teaching not coming up? Oh, today is a very <laughs> language teacher topic. After nine seasons... We're, 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 we've done a lot of the obvious topics, so now we're getting more and more oblique, aren't we? Are we getting so, like, what, so what you're saying is we're running out of things to talk about? Well, maybe not, but we're getting into deeper and deeper cuts, or is it just more and more obvious things that we haven't even ever thought of before? Oh, I, oh, I never realized we put that much thought into it. I thought it was a wild <laughs> brainstorm. It's like, oh, that sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Kind of... Well, the, the, the topic of this wild brainstorm, the what this wild brainstorm resulted in was today's topic, which was um, work in pairs, because we find that that's such a common thing that we do that no, we don't often talk about it that much. It's like just an understood bit of language teaching, right? Like pair work stuff. It's just, it's just, it's just the way it is, isn't it? Right? Well, that's it. Yes, everything is done in pairs. Yeah, it's all done in pairs. Um, and I think one of the reasons we, we thought about this topic was because at IATEFL, so the big uh, language teachers conference that what we go to every year, uh, it happened to me again, by the way, Sean, twice at IATEFL, where I was in the audience and the workshop presenter said, okay, everybody, this next thing I want you to do with a partner. And you can almost hear a ripple of a groan. You know, there's like <laughs> people sighing, someone leaning over. Sometimes, you know, like I, I, I've had all kinds of, someone saying, oh, I don't, another thing in Paris. The other one is someone, you know, turns away from me, almost like I'm not going to work with you. I'm going to... Well, I mean, that, that part was fairly understandable, but... I didn't, but... <laughs> no, but they kind of look over their phone or whatever, you know, they're like, okay, I'm going to just turn off for this, but I'm not doing not doing that. Yeah, but I, I don't like pair work. Do you like pair work? I do sometimes, but I think I have a reason for why this is happening at conferences. Because both of us have talked talked about this, haven't we? That we know. Oh, this. it happens all the time when, when, when you're doing a, a conference talk or a, even a training session. Uh, I mean, in a training session to experienced teachers, I'll forgive those who are just beginning to be teachers. You know, that they're not sure about the power thing. But yeah, you you stand up in a you stand up in a in a in a session full of experienced teachers and go get into pairs and you, as you say, everybody groans or or, or they do it. And I think we mentioned it before. Teachers are the worst people to do teacherly things, though. <laughs> That's possibly true as well. But I have another reason that I think that this is happening. And two, one is, well, well, I mean, because I think it does, it is a thing that happens. And I think it has to do 
with a bit with group dynamics because and especially at conferences because at conferences and something like IATEFL is 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 even the worst example of this where the workshop lengths are maximum 40 minutes but most of them are 30 minutes and in the plenary it's an hour so this partly to do with the number of people in the room and the length of time obviously um in a plenary with a thousand people in a room I personally wouldn't I don't like the idea of doing pair works and I don't like the idea of trying to get people to do pair work because there's no way I'm going to check back. You know, I sat there listening to you, Alex, I was thinking, oh, I wish you'd put these into pairs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. The other reason, apart from groups being too big for pair work to kind of be effective, I think it's a group dynamics thing where the group hasn't really formed yet. So people don't really kind of know each other. They don't know the teacher that much. I kind of think of like beginning classes or early classes where a lot of the early stuff is sort of just establishing some routines, getting to know the teacher. The teacher tends to, to take on a more active role at the beginning of the class as people don't really know each other. I mean, sometimes with language classes also, it might be different. You might want to set the stage straight away by doing, right, you're going to work in pairs because you speak more English if all of us are speaking in pairs at the same time here. So there's kind of a reason for that. Whereas in the workshop, there isn't that reason in the same way. And so yeah, I, think the, the, I, I see where you're coming from. I, it's interesting because I think I, I think you're right about the classroom, classroom dynamic. Uh, but but I also but I go a bit, go further with that. Obviously, if students are in a uh, students are in a class, they're used to doing it, which is what you're saying. In, in you know, in the com the conference, you're not used to the people you sat with, so you you don't do it. Yeah. But you could begin a new academic year. Uh, let's say in, in in your language school, you could begin a new academic year, so it's a new class. But the students will still probably go into pairs better than teachers because it's in the kind of psyche to get into pairs more. I think. But and it's also the first activity you do to get people into pairs at the beginning of a new class makes sense in the sort of way like. Uh, say some th things about yourself and you're saying in a different language or you're getting back into English, etc. Whereas you don't do those first kind of activities. We're doing a pair work activity that as teachers, we wouldn't be doing until like three or four classes or three or four sessions or units into a course, right? So so a thing like turn turn to a partner and explain what, I mean, the, the worst of where they said, what you understand by the word differentiation. Like one of those kind of word defining things where it's very kind of muddy and you know, like, well, what, what, what am I going to say? What do you think it means? I don't know. What do you think it means? I think it means this. So, uh, you know, there's already always a bit of like danger of fa face loss, you know, losing face there. If, if the, if, if the question is sort of quite open and woolly, um, other times it might be a bit like, you know, to, uh, in, in the workshop when it doesn't work, like tell a partner about the last time this went really bad for you. And it's sort of like, I can't, I don't, I haven't had time to think. I don't know. I'm trying to remember when was the last time that happened? I don't know. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a time issue. I think there's also not knowing each other. So I think in a group of teachers, if in a workshop, if you said, okay, turn to a partner and say three things you want to get out of this conference and, uh, uh, three things that you hope don't happen or whatever. And then there was going to be some kind of follow-up and uh, whatever it might, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't. But, but I wonder if it's expectations. I, I'm just thinking, although I, that kind of falls down a little bit with, with training sessions outside of uh, a conference. I think at a conference, um, I, you know, I think people, I wonder if people are, are coming to listen, therefore, they, you know, they've kind of come in with a, Almost that's, with a, an obstacle, well. you know. I'm I'm signing up to go to this conference to listen to an expert tell me something. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and I can see that. And, and, and if I example as an example, I mean, only some of the sessions are workshops. Most of the sessions are talks by definition. The definite, the difference in I is the difference between 30 minutes and 45 minutes. Uh, if it's a 45 minutes, it is supposed to be a workshop, whereas 30 minutes is a talk. And it is hard. In, so, I mean, I, I do think if you're, if you're investing 30 minutes of time into a talk, you expect there to be more of a talk than power. But that doesn't get outside of, of, um, of let's say and you know when you when you when you as a guest uh, you're doing a guest workshop somewhere you turn up and talk to teachers and I think there and I wonder so I wonder if that still applies whether they go you know it's Lindsay or yeah. you know this is that but but I do wonder if we if you know as I'm just gonna I am gonna loop back to what you're saying in the sense that um, as students I think we've made we have made it clear at some point the purpose of pair work in yeah. the sense you know like, like obviously most naturally to raise your opportunity for for them to speak although it is as you said also a hidden way of having thinking time and, and all those kind of things and i wonder um and i wonder in a in a teacher training session whether we don't make that so clear whether the goals are as hidden and sometimes we're doing it as part of loop input aren't we this is the way we're doing it because this is what we now, want you now do. i think in loop input it would work so for example i do think if you were giving a workshop and i plan to do one uh, next year on pair work, I can see getting them to do pair work activities might work better because it's sort of like we're doing it's like a loopy thing. It's like okay, I can True. obviously True. I'm doing this because this is how we would do pair work with 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 my students. It's it's sort of just the I guess it's the gratuitous pair work that I find at conferences where it's sort of like tell a partner what you understand by this or tell a partner. I mean, the one that I the only one which I really liked who I thought really pulled it off was a speaker called Paul Seligson, who once said like very quickly said, "Okay, I want you to turn to a partner and say everything you remember of what I said over the past 10 minutes. Uh, draw out three main points of what you think I said over the past 10 minutes. Yeah, and, uh, but again, that's purposeful, isn't it? And I, yeah. I, I, I wonder sometimes, because I know I'm guilty of myself, one, uh, one you're, you're kind of... Uh, um, it's it's almost uh, sometimes the pair work question is a little bit fatic because you don't yeah. actually mean it as pair work you mean it I and mean, I'm talking in, like in a conference session and it may be true in teaching as well but the conference it's almost fatic and I do it and I know I do it more and it's not pair work but I do it when I'm when I, especially when I'm doing webinars because you need that time to kind of yeah. get a drink of a drink of water or collect yeah. your thoughts and you you know when you go quickly tell your partner about this part of that is almost done as a time buying exercise for the for the trainer there's also that as well so i wonder mm. if that i wonder if people see for it in that way you know it's just like kind of um the the, the 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 whereas the task you've just talked about paul there was obviously a very concrete task and there was there was something to get in it and it was a chance it was a chance for some reflection um yeah, yeah. It, which is quite important i think that's true as well. To put a pin in this and kind of like, 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 I don't, like, we, like I say, we've entered into serious discussion. This is I know. I think back to <laughs> Why don't we just say that in training and workshops, we should be careful about overdoing working in pairs because we both we know that it's not always great with teachers. There is a website called, that is actually called "Do You Use Pair Work Too Much?" Do you know that? <laughs> oh. A website for that. Name. Yeah, wow. yeah. Well, okay. it's called Using English, but they've got an article called "Do." And there's a whole page on their website of of uh, using pair work, and they give although well, they're a bit tenuous, twenty six reasons for not using for overdoing pair work. Go on, yeah. let's what? Well, let's use that to talk about 
pair, we were talking about pair work and training, but in teaching, I mean, why is pair work so popular? I, one of the things that I always joke about with other uh, writers is in course book writing and, and writing um, course book notes and notes for teachers, um, you end up writing work in pairs so often that one really common typo is that I always end up writing work in Paris. Um, it's, a, it's a super common typo to make, work in Paris, work in Paris. Because it's almost always like work in pairs or work with a partner. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask an answer Do you not have autocorrect said to that? Are you sorry, when I, I know. When well, I, yeah. but it autocorrect doesn't catch it because it's still correct, work in Paris. Ah, but, no, I told someone to give it a rule that if I make that mistake, to change it back. Because ah, uh, okay. you do it so many times. So the reason to put people into, into um, pairs is to maximize their amount of English. Is that right? I, I, I think it's to maximize the amount of English speaking time. Uh, it's to also get students used to not just the idea that they should only speak English and hear English from the teacher, right? You know, so that kind of idea is like you've got to respect other people's English and not just, you know, I just want to talk to the teacher, have the teacher talk to me. I think it's also uh, a lot of activities um, really work well in language teaching in pairs, like, like the whole concept of the information gap and the communicative style of language teaching where one person has some information and the other person has information they have to there's a gap there that they have to fill i think that that's another good reason because it kind of gives a reason to communicate when a, a good activity is set up like that I, well yeah i think it's a good activity i think it just depends on the activity i think sometimes you do them you do those often uh, you know a lot of uh, photocopiable resource books have uh, pair activities in them, and you, sometimes they feel so contrived. Well, I, one of the ones I really detest them. Maybe we can should we bring back room one hundred and one just so I can put in crosswords. I, I really l dislike the pair work crossword. Oh no! I've just finished making one of those. Oh, books. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's I, just kind I, of like oh no. Per crosswords aren't crosswords aren't pair work activities naturally. They can no, be group activities. It, they just oh contrive but it does work so well no, as a sort don't. of like A and B. Thing. It's like no, because I mean, because all you're doing is like, what is the name for an animal with? And it's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> well, no. I guess I mean it gives them something concrete to write down. All right, well, let's see. We're already off topic again. Why you? We said why do people work in pairs? What other things are good for pair work then in in classes? So, so I would argue it's good for like inf some information gap things. It gives a reason to communicate, which you might not otherwise have. So I think pair work can be good for that. I think pair work also can be good for establishing a good uh, group environment and, um, you know, training people to like to have a kind of safe environment in class. If you get people, they're used to talking to each other already. It's not just, you know, a teacher fronted thing. I think you can get a better atmosphere in the class if you have good pair work stuff that's happened. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, some people would argue it's also a good way of dealing with different abilities, uh, stroke levels, and I use those words differently in the exactly. class. Yep, I think it. I think it also is good for breaking up. Um, uh, oh, yeah, but, but is, it, is, it, is it a bit of variety? Because doesn't any? I mean, going back to that website as you were about to do, isn't it? Don't we? Don't we default to pair work quite a lot? Yeah, and I think as I as I taught more and more years, I started becoming less afraid of having moments where people were just writing something for like five minutes or reading something. Whereas I used to kind of think, okay, get that out of the way so we get back to the good stuff that like, you know, you got to all be talking in English and really communicative and communicative. And now I, I, I like to think of those moments like breaking things up. So like a language class will have some 
parts of buzzing where people are speaking in pairs or groups. They will have some parts of just listening to the teacher speak, and they'll have some parts where it's just quiet in class and everyone's writing some sentences or or reading a text. I'm gonna, um, yeah, I agree. I'm gonna go a different way. I think one of the things that's annoyed me more as I as a trainer, I think, as I got older, uh, got more older, more experienced, perhaps, is watching is the way that pair work ends. You know, it's kind of you put people in pairs and they do the pair task, and then coming out of that, you're going to probably into the teacher feedback stage more into a uh, whole classwork and the teacher asks the students okay so Lindsay what what did you talk about and then Lindsay repeats that the, basically what was said in pairs to the teacher and I don't think that kind of, I think they need I think there's a art to handling the feedback of pair work which teachers don't often or don't always mm. appreciate and look at yeah well I suppose like anything if it's done in a cursory way then it tends mm, to true. feel inauthentic. Whereas if it's done like, so what were you guys talking about? Or what did you, you know, again, yeah. like if it's like those kind of moral ethical dilemmas, like what did you think? Or what, what do you think this is? And so on and so forth. I think also pair work, I like using it for even little things. Like they do an exercise and they check answers with a partner and make any changes they think they want to make. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I think, I think that's, uh, uh, but that's quite interesting. That's the last couple of things there. You just said uh, th that, that website to which I alluded before. It's like you ask the students, uh, one of the things in you assign you use pair work too much is you ask the students to check the answers in pairs, even though you know they have all the right answers. Um, that, that's, a, I, and a, again, a, I think a common kind well, of early he, teacher mistake. Yeah, I suppose, although I don't, uh, depending on the size of the class, I certainly don't know if they have all the right answers or not i can i can kind of guess but but you never know if don't, not don't, don't you monitor Lindsay? i do but not right <laughs> over their shoulders in their papers my favorite thing on this list which i'm not going to go into the whole list because we'll just put it the thing is you know you know you use power too much when the students start talking in pairs before you've even told them to <laughs> oh that's true yeah I mean, there's another thing as well. If you want to make pair work more defined as a like as a actual thing thing, like like now we are doing a pair work thing rather than the just oh okay check with a partner. Um, I used to do it for speaking with teenager classes. So there sometimes would be that well check with the partner, and then I wouldn't be really like on top of it so much. But if I said now you're going to be doing a pair work speaking activity, and I called it speaking stations, I said okay so now you have to go to speaking stations, which meant they physically had to turn their chair to face each other. So, I mean, in this case, they could. Ah, uh, kind of. Yeah, all right. Yeah, no, and now from. you're sitting right in front of someone. It's like when you kind of like switch around to a circle thing, and you're looking at each other as opposed to everyone in a line. But now you're actually facing each other, and I'm like, now put the books away and do the thing with the. Oh uh, yeah, I know. I often uh, do that as a kind of warmer exercise, but I do have the students in the, in the lines. But then at the end of uh, so they talk, uh, they so they stand up in facing each other, yeah? and then but once once the after they uh, and give them a set amount to speak. But after after that time is finished, I move one one person from one end of the line to the other, so they all shuffle on, so they automatically get repaired. Ah, uh, yes, I love that. that. I was going to come to that later about oh, getting sorry, people I, into pairs, and you just. You've I've just, stolen your you've thunder. just jumped the gun. Oh no, should we take a break then? I think we should. I need to recover. Ah, dear listener, it's so good that we're together again. Your jargon buster has been allowed out of his underground bunker for his annual missive from the front lines of lexical and linguistic confabulation. So what do glasses, trousers, shoes, shorts and your students have in common? 
That's right, they spend most of their time in pairs. So today we're going to pick some of the different kinds of pairs you can find in the classroom. That's open and closed pairs. Let's start with open pairs. Essentially, this is when a pair work activity happens with an audience. The most obvious example is when you, the teacher, asks a question to the student. So that could include questions like, did you watch the match last night? How do we make past simple regular verbs? What did Mary do next? How do you ask someone about experiences in their life? What are you doing right now? Now you say it. What are we doing next? Or the student asking you a question like, what does orangutan mean? In these examples, you are chatting, checking understanding of language, checking comprehension of texts, eliciting new language, modeling an activity, checking understanding of the task, and the student is asking for clarification. A veritable smorgasbord of questions, all between the teacher and the student. But of course, open questions can take place between students as well. So this could include those times when, as a teacher, you coerce your students into talking together. Uh, Julio, ask Mario about his weekend. Or perhaps it happens spontaneously as one learner reacts to another. But it can also happen in activities such as mingles when students wander around the classroom chatting to whoever is available. Now let's move on to closed pairs. Now this is something you're going to be very familiar with, unless you've stubbornly resisted the last 30 odd years of English language teaching. Yep, this is when you say to your students, now talk to your partner, or turn to the person next to you, or discuss the question in pairs. It's as simple as that. So there we go, a pair of pairs. That's all from your jargon buster for this episode. Let's return to Lindsay and Sean, a right pair of... Well, I'll let you decide how to finish that sentence. See you next time. Okay, Lindsay, shall I go back to stealing your thunder? No, I'm going to thunder on myself now. Okay, well, there we go. I'll, uh, <laughs> All right. can, can I go get a coffee then? I'll come back you, after you. You can go and you can do whatever you like. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> if this is the next part of the section. I think we wanted to talk about ways that we get people into pairs because that was, I, I always thought this was an interesting one, making like the act of getting into pairs a pair work kind of thing already so often you know it's just sort of like okay work with a partner just default to the person next to you sean have you come back are you are you there oh it's just having a quick kip okay sean mentioned uh the the way do you want to just say it again because it went really quickly so what this was the way of like when they're in pairs and you want to shuffle them to other pairs the lineup that i was talking about i wasn't meaning it from a just a way of putting in them into pairs well i see where you're coming from uh, it was a way of defining pair work not just being sat at their desks yeah that was the point i was making well well the first is- thing i yeah. I mean, what, what I, that's already kind of getting people into new pairs because, you know, there's sometimes you want to do an activity where they check with a partner and it's like, now do this again with a different partner. And then sometimes you like stand up and find a new partner and then people sit down and, oh, lo and behold, there's at least six pairs that are the same pairs because they didn't move enough around. And what I really love, and I, I saw another teacher do it and I was like, wow, that's so elegant. I hadn't thought of that. It's just one person gets up and goes to the other side of the room, <laughs> sits down next to the first person 
and that's a new pair. And then all the pairs, no one else moves. Oh, moved. Yeah, yeah, it just, you know, they've yeah, all yeah. just shuffled I, into a new pair. That, that, that is quite elegant. I go, uh, I'll give it a... Uh, teachers, if ever you haven't done that and you have a class of over 12, just do it once. And it's it's like watching, you know, dominoes all fall. And you're like, wow, only one person moved and everyone has a new partner. We can overcomplicate repairing, can't we? We're very good at overcomplicating that piece of classroom management. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, the obvious thing is just like you get them to work with the partner next to you. But there is some other kind of fun ways of getting people into pairs. With younger learners, I used to have a whole set of cards of famous pairings. So I'd have like Batman, Robin, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Asterix, Obelix. Um, uh, who, who are some other famous ones? Laurel and Hardy. Laurel, yes, <laughs> showing our age. Famous duos, famous singing duos. Uh... Jay-Z and Beyonce, he said, desperately trying to sound younger. Wow, sounded cool. (laughs) I'm trying to sound desperately younger than you now. Um, Uh... But anyway, (laughs) so you'd get famous pairs um, and and then have those all in individual cards. And once I knew how many students there, I'd kind of select the right cards, mix all the cards up, and i give everybody a card. They had to get up and as quickly as possible find their partner. And then that, and, and I didn't say this is going to be for your pair work, but that, this is just the beginning. It's like, okay, everyone, you have a name. You have to find the other person. They found the other person. It's like, now sit down with that person. They're your partner for the next activity. Can I take that? Can I add that into, make that into a longer activity? Go for it. All right, so you've done a vocab lesson of the famous people the week before. So you, you know stickers on the back? Okay. So you put the pairs on the stickers on the back, but you don't have to do pairs like that. You could have like tennis racket ball or okay. salt and pepper, and they're on the back. So first of all, they all, they mingle as a group, identifying what the sticker on the back is. And then when, when they find, uh, then once they've identified, they find the one they should be with, then they sit down. So you become a revision exercise that leads into a pair of exercise. <laughs> My gosh, we could keep adding to this until you My have God. one exercise that begins at the beginning Aye, of the class. Brilliant. And at the end of the class, that's your partner for the next class. Yeah, perfect, um, perfect. <laughs> so you know what? We've, we're, we're talking, we're dangerously talking about teaching here so much. I know, but here's another really good one that I really like. I got this from Jim Scrivener. He gave one of anagrams. So this- Hang has, on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Uh, it, 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 I'm just going to say, hello, Jim, because he's been hustling me on Twitter. Okay. Hi, Jim. All right. So in this one, he says to ask you, ask the students to write down their first name and surname, but rearrange all the letters to make an anagram, which they write on a new piece of paper. You collect in the anagrams and redistribute. Students try to unravel the anagram and find the new partner's name. Hang on. You just you just had a go at me for the length of my activity. <laughs> I love these five minute activities that could be five minutes. Sneakily, no, five sneak, minutes. I think it could sneakily be 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was cute as well. Again, this one is another one of Jim Scrivener's ones. Um, instead of saying like A, B, C, you know, like, uh, like, you know, you can do the like one, two, three, four, one, two, no, one, two, yeah, one, yeah. two, one, two. And then you put hands up one. everybody's A, hands up everybody's yeah. B. Um, alternatives to saying A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B. He says, change A, B, C into the names of real world items. They are purely for making pairs or groups and can immediately be forgotten. So he is like apple, banana, cherry, apple, banana, cherry, purple, crimson, turquoise, rain, sun, snow. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was cute. And yeah, no, that's not for me. Oh, I love, but listen to this one. Listen, listen to this last one. Eggs, coffee, bacon, eggs, coffee, bacon, get together and make a complete breakfast. Oh, hey, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah okay go on 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm just listening to all your contrived activities with people in pairs. I think, I think this is a good example of why we shouldn't put people in pairs. Just talk to the person next to you who you're comfortable oh, with. What a lazy, Don't mess what a lazy way of getting people into pairs. Anyway, so those are some ways that we get into pairs. What? Here's another question. Then let's switch over to another question. I'm going to ask you. This is a good question you sometimes get on teacher training courses. What do you? What advice do you give when you have pair work and you have a group of three? Or when you have like an odd number of students, rather. Oh, it depends on I, they, what advice do I give, or what do I do? Because there are two different things. If it was a training course, I'd just tell them to make the last pair of three. Uh, but if it's a class I know well, I'd I'd be the pair. I'd make the pair up. Okay. See now, your first one that you said—that's what I used to do as well. Make the last group of three. But then I learned this from another teacher who did this and 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 made a, a small comment. I thought, wow, that's so true. Um, make the first group of three and make everything else pairs. Because when you make the last group of three, the last person inevitably feels like the extra wheel on a bicycle. So sort of like you go, okay, James, you and Maria, you and you, you and you, you and you. Ah, Sean. Um, okay, Sean, can you just work with uh, Michael and Jeff? And then you th- th- then you feel like, whereas compared, no, compared to this, Sean, I want you to work with Michael and Jeff. Then you two work together, you two, you two, you two, you two, you two. All of a sudden you feel a lot more special. Yeah, but that also means that I've counted the number of students before I decided to put them in pairs. We're back to the lazy teacher, Sean, again. Yeah, of no, course you have. <laughs> I can't call it, it's not lazy teaching. It's just effective teaching. <laughs> it's kind of like, why, why, why put all your energy into things that are really insignificant? Like counting how many students you've got before you do better <laughs> Right. Uh, you're the guy who has all those extra photocopies at the end of the class. I don't, I don't use paper in class. Never use paper in class. We've been talking about two by two and work in pairs and stuff like that in terms of like language teaching. But in language, I think you had some things that you wanted to share of pairs as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's pairs are pairs. Um, I mean, obviously, we took a, we took pairs to do power, but obviously, we teach a lot of pairs. Pairs come up uh, a lot of uh, binomials in, in English. So I thought, because um, obviously, they, these these are one of those staples because they're such a fixed collocation. They come yeah. up in many many course books. So um, why don't you define define the term for everybody, just in case it went over someone's head? A binomial. Well, a binomial. So uh, rock and roll, salt and pepper, black and white. Those, so those binomials words. are two words that go together, but the but the binomial is is like the, it's a certain order, right? It's not roll and rock. It's no. always rock and roll. It's not pepper and salt. No. It's salt and pepper. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. okay. And uh, there is uh, logic to that, but well there, well, there are some rules to that, apparently, which we'll get to in a moment. This modern way of the internet of things, you know, like the, the clickbait stuff where it's like, you will never believe. Uh, okay. And, and you know, it becomes like numbers. It's just like 20 things you, you had never yeah. knew about Lindsay Clansfield. Yeah. Well, there is yeah. a website called, or there is a web a website which had 29 must-know binomials in English. Must-know. Okay. Yeah, but, but 29, <laughs> 29 is such a random number. Why not 30? Why not 25? You know? <laughs> yeah. But 29 uh, binomials in English. Uh, but All right, you hit me, hit me. So, what are some of them? Let's go to peace. Go on, can you finish it? Peace. Peace. P-E-A-C-E. Peace and love. Peace and no, love. No. What? That's, no. It's not well, peace and war because it's war no, and peace. Peace and quiet. That's what's on the worksheet. Oh, peace and quiet. Yeah. Okay. Done and. What? Done. D-O-N-E. Done and. Dusted. Well done. I thought you were going to get it. Safe and sound. Oh, he's doing well. Short and sweet. Neat and tidy. Where and W E A R. Where and oh. 
Wear and tear. Wear oh, and tear. What's the thing about it? High and low. No, high and dry. Very good. Down and out. You got, you're on to this, aren't you? Uh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, we're rock. getting along. See, we're getting along again now. Uh, we are. Yeah. Well, well I don't think we're. I, it's good to have a little disagreement. Make or because we'll change the word. Make or break. Mm. Ups and downs. We have lots of those, don't we? So we live and uh, live and die. No, well, we do, but that's not on the sheet. Live and. Learn. You live, you live and you learn. learn yeah. So learn. all these things, all these binomials. Are, but what I found interesting, and I, and I didn't know there was a name for it. Do you? So that's a binomial. Do you know what a a, a, a reduplication is? Like no, I saw this on the show notes, and I I didn't know what it was, and well, I didn't they, reach for Google, so I thought you would oh, just okay. teach. Well, me. actually, in a very strange way, this was this is this it, this came from Facebook because somebody a teacher posted it on Facebook uh, when I, a couple of weeks ago, and, and I knew we were going to. Uh, talk about pairs. So they uh, they posted a newspaper article um, in the Facebook feed, and it was called uh, "Why Talk Tick Doesn't Doesn't Sound Right to Your Ears," and uh, which I'll get to in a moment. And I was thinking, oh yeah, but t- is TikTok a binomial? And it's not. Apparently, it's called a a, a, a reproduction because you're you're essentially repeating the second Some... um, word. Yeah, I know that it is changing because of the of the. Vowel uh, sound. of the vowel sound but this idea of of the repeating the sound repeating the thing is is called a reproduction rather than uh, a binomial which i never knew so t- test me again on these you know so tiktok is one but I- i'm scratching my head for others give me the first uh, yeah, part well that is quite interesting and there is a there, there are lots of these when you start thinking about it and they they fall into basically three categories uh so you've got uh you've got the um what the the uh, bloat ones like tiktok so bloat is where the 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 vowel sound changes so you've got tick and then talk changes in one. So you've got sing song, for example. Okay. Yeah? Where you go there, ping pong, yeah. mishmash, those kind of ones, ding dong. Okay. okay. But then you've got then you've got uh, ones which are exact repetitions and ones we use a lot. For example, blah blah. So, ah, you know, blah, blah blah and knock knock yeah. and and uh bye bye those kind of things oh okay uh, yeah, all yeah. right and then and then there is a third category called the uh the rhyming one um so you know your old fuddy duddy for example or <laughs> hocus hocus pocus or hoity toity hurly burly those kind of and i found that really interesting because i've never I, I genuinely hadn't thought about it before and that was how um, many things we put into into twos like that yeah yeah so they are they are all in twos and so they can be categorized into into three things and let's say so that you've got rhyming you've got repetition and then you've got the the vowel ch- the uh the vowel uh sound uh, change, so to speak. So, uh, oh, and the reason is quite simply uh, for why do we say TikTok and not TokTik is because it doesn't sound right to our ears to say um, TokTik or uh, Kong King, for example. It's just one of those things that <laughs> Kong King, <laughs> yeah, one of those things that. But so, okay. if it, so the rule is according to this article: if there are three words, then the order has to go I A O. If there are two words, then the first letter is or the first vowel is always I, and the second is A and O. So you know, there's the, I mean, I've been teaching for years and taught loads of stuff, and I've never, uh, never really considered this. And then um, it turns out that actually on the uh, on on the Cambridge website, Cambridge University website, they actually talk about uh, the rules of uh, binomials as well, which I, I never, I oh, never. What, really what are the about. rules of binomials? Okay, like why so why are, is it knife and fork and not so fork there are and four, knife? There are five different rules that apply. Uh, so some are simple. Uh, some it's just adjectival order. 
Um, okay. Yeah, okay. So yeah. you say tall and thin, not thin and tall. Uh, yeah. But so the other ones. Uh, so the logic. So logic is one of the ones. Uh, so uh, cause and effect. So obviously, logically, you have to have cause before effect. You have okay. old before new. You have crime before punishment. Those kind of things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Then the more interesting ones. The, the, and this is uh, I'm reading off the Cambridge website now. The semantically bigger or better thing comes first. So they they give examples: fish and chips, bacon and eggs, meat and vegetables. <laughs> yeah. So the semantically okay. bigger thing. So then you also get like good and bad, high and low, as we looked at before. So if okay. that's not the rule, then then where 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 you can't discern that. And obviously, we must be doing this all subconsciously when we when we're doing it. So yeah. then number then then the longest word goes last last. So you salt and pepper. Pepper is longer, so it goes last. Cloak and dagger. Dagger goes longer. Uh, so that could be another one, and then in uh, in in a in a shockingly uh, antiquated these days, so male goes before female, so men and women, his and hers, Mister and Mrs, brother and sister, which is quite interesting. I thought I, I generally thought that was uh, oh, that is interesting. So. Although I don't know how good and bad falls into that category of like the semantically bigger <laughs> or better. Well, it's better to be good than bad, isn't it? Oh, I see. Yeah, it's okay. bigger or better. Oh, oh, bigger or better? Ah, got yeah, it, got yeah, it, got yeah. it. But it's a really well, interesting website, which we'll put in the show notes. So. To close, to close off with a funny little story about binomials. Um, in a course book that I wrote, Global, uh, we had the unit titles were binomials, and we thought we were so clever by doing all the unit titles binomials, and it worked really well. Like you'd have law and order, and so you'd have your unit. The first half of the unit was law things, and the second half was sort of related to order. Um, until we began to run out of binomials, like because a course is six levels. And at the advanced level, we were left with the weirdest binomials and we we, we couldn't make them work. Like I, I think we did in the end, but we had some units that were like ebb and flow. So now imagine two lessons on the topic of ebb and it just was not working. But um, I think we, we finally like we squeezed out all we could of the binomials Um but uh, so that's why I became quite familiar with them. But curiously enough, I'd never read the rules of why one became before another. That's very interesting. Right. I think this brings us to an end of another successful episode. Successful? Ah, uh, well, it depends if you like pair work or not. Or whether, hello, this <laughs> an episode in which I've been called a lazy teacher on more than one occasion. <laughs> and and which the, the activities I have been called have been called useless. Yes. Inefficient. However, I think I did for once teach Lindsay something, which well, which is, and which then is we, we kind of got we we came back together and geeked out on binomials at the yeah, end. So that yeah, was nice. Yeah, yeah. So successful, no, but a, a different kind of episode, perhaps. All right. Well, listen, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you want, if you have any ideas on how you use pair work, or if you think. All of us use too much prayer work, not enough. Uh, interesting ways that you deal with the odd number of students. You can always drop us a line. We're on Facebook, or you can drop us a line at tefelcommute.com. Find us in all the other places, like Twitter and stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah, we always love to hear from listeners. So any ideas that you have or any other interesting binomial lessons that you've taught, please feel free to pass along to us. I think that's going to bring us to the end of another episode then. It is. So in a binomial way, come and see us or come and visit us at our, at our website or or whatever. Yeah, that was good. Enjoyed that. Thanks, Lindsay. See you. What, one more left for the season. See you at the next one. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to The Tevil Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes 
by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your podcast player of choice and by visiting us at tefelcommute.com.